Phew, I'm exhausted. I just finished my eighth marathon. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Well, cheering for one anyway. This year, my husband and daughter were running the Twin Cities Marathon together, the nation's prettiest urban marathon. Friel, look it up. The course winds through the lakes of Minneapolis, crosses the Mississippi River, then travels along Summit Avenue, past miles of beautiful homes, the St. Paul Cathedral, and finishes in the shadow of the Capitol building. It's beautiful. But it doesn't mean it isn't exhausting. I mean, for the cheers and stuff. I had to wake up really early to drive my husband and daughter to the shuttle bus that was going to take them to the starting location. They wanted to catch the bus by 6.15 in order to make it to the worship service that was held pre-race this year. I had to negotiate the weather. What should I wear? It looked like it might rain, but it also looked like it might not. I should dress in layers. I should bring my raincoat and umbrella just in case. I should probably wear warmer shoes, maybe even boots, because it gets cold just standing there waiting. But I should probably wear comfortable shoes because sometimes it's a quick run back to the car to drive to a new spot to cheer, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can't park real close. I remember the year our family went to cheer on my husband and our oldest two sons at the Chicago Marathon. We didn't have a car, and we were newbies at negotiating that race. We ended up logging over 10 miles as spectators. Definitely, I should bring comfortable shoes. I had to think through what I was going to carry, too. A chair. Should I bring a chair? What about a blanket in case the ground is dirty or a little wet or something? I don't want to be uncomfortable, but I don't want to haul around too much stuff either. Uh, no chair. Uh, no blanket. Oh, also, I had to think about what to bring in order to cheer effectively. The cowbells my daughter had given us were great. I'll bring those. Should I make a sign? Oh, but what should I write on it? The signs are always so clever. I feel so inadequate. I've seen philosopher signs. Immanuel Kant, run as fast as you can. A Play-Doh spaghetti sounds good about now. I've seen sarcastic and sassy signs. I'm cold, run faster. That's a lot of work for a free banana. Keep kicking asphalt. My legs hurt watching you run. You run better than our government. At mile two, you're not almost there. Marathons would be fun if it weren't for the running. I thought it said 2.62 miles and so on. I decided it was too much work to think of a unique sign. So cowbells and screaming are going to have to do. All the decisions were made, and it was off to the races, or the race in this case. I had to hurry to pick up my adult son from his home, who had graciously agreed to go with me for the day. I had to hurry because I needed time to go to Caribou to grab a coffee before we made it to the race. Done. And we were off. My son was navigating, I was driving, and second-guessing. On our way to our first location, he told me to turn left to park in a parking lot. What he didn't know was I have a gift. I can scan a parking lot in a nanosecond and see all, if there are any, open spots. I glanced to my left and said, nope, it's full, let's go straight. So we did, because I was driving. We went straight, all right, straight into a line of traffic that was stopped for blocks and blocks and blocks at a light as the racers ran by. 
There was a traffic jam backed up. And we sat there for minutes and minutes and minutes following blips on our iPhone race apps representing my husband and daughter. I wasn't sure what to do. My son suggested I do a U-turn. The oncoming traffic, of course, had been blocked, too, so the road was essentially closed. He said then we could head back to that parking lot I had earlier refused, which now had multiple open spots. I wasn't sure. The curb looked pretty high. I wondered if the car would flip. I wondered if I'd bottom out and do damage to the underside of the engine. I decided it was too risky. Instead, I said, I know. Let's just leave the car here. We'll run back if we see something happening. He didn't think that sounded like a good idea. And I have to say, as I glanced around me, I did notice people turning around and maneuvering out of their landlocked position, so I had to agree with him. I had another idea. I know. I'll just leave the car. I'm going to run to the road. See you later. And I hopped out. While I was gone, my son managed to successfully U-turn our car without doing any damage nor flipping. He then successfully found a place to park in the lot and jogged up to meet me at the corner where moments later we screamed and cheered as Greta and Kenny ran by. We got back to the car. I hopped back into the driver's seat as my son took the chief navigating officer's spot. We headed to the next spectating location, around mile 10. We knew we'd have to navigate the detour on Highway 35, but figured there'd be plenty of signs. And sure enough, my son pointed one of them out. There it is, the 35 detour. I said, I don't think so. And I drove right by it. Shortly after, I U-turned and went back to take the exit I had ignored time one. We, and by we, I mean the CNO of our car, decided that rules needed to be established. How about this, he said. The guy with the GPS, the sense of direction, the race app, the ability to look around while someone else was driving should have the right to call the turn. The driver, without any of those aforementioned things, should probably just say okay. The driver agreed to those terms and offered to pay $10 anytime there would be a deviation, thinking that having a little skin in the game might be a helpful reminder. We got to mile 10, we cheered, we high-fived, we shouted our family call, and we left. On our way to the next location, we were able to connect with another adult son, the CNO's twin, his wife, and their three kids. We made plans on where to meet, a Walgreens parking lot. We met them there. They followed us to mile 17, where we parked, grabbed our stuff, and rang our bells, and all went on to cheer again. As we waited to see Kenny and Greta go by, we cheered other runners who were in front of us. There was a guy with a big foam hat that looked like a brain, the guy dressed like Santa, a guy dressed like a Viking, the women with matching shirts from their running clubs, a man from our church who we knew was running, a man from a previous church that we attended yelled out, hey, Kirsten, at mile four, and then I felt so badly that I wasted his energy when I didn't see him first. I promised myself from that point on it wouldn't happen again, and it didn't. Go, Scott, I yelled. We rang bells. We yelled people's names when we saw them on their shirts. We said things like, go Vikings, when we saw people dressed in purple and gold. We said things like, looking good, go runners, you're doing great, you got this. We banged together inflatable cheering sticks that said Medtronic. We got them from a lady who said her husband refused to stand by her anymore if she continued to use them. We used them. We banged them loud and we yelled louder. We saw people smiling and keeping pace with their music that was coming through their earbuds. We saw people determined. We saw some limping. I couldn't help but tear up. I was so proud of them. I was proud of all these strangers who had been training for months for this day. I started yelling that, you're running a marathon. Good for you. I'm just so proud of you. And then I realized it didn't sound at all like a cheer. It felt more like I was trying to have a moment. So I switched back to, go runners. 
We saw my husband and daughter again. They look good. Kenny gave high fives and gave waves, and, and Greta came and gave us a high five as well. And the youngest of the three littles was left with tears. Poor little guy. He'd waited and waited and waited for Papa. And when he finally came, he stayed for two seconds and left. That was a hard pill for this little two-year-old to swallow. We found out later that between our cheering spot two and three, Greta ended up running into a stranger's home to use her bathroom. The house was along the route. The woman was cheering from her porch, and Greta did not feel good. Kenny asked this nice lady if it would be okay if Greta ran in quickly to use her bathroom. The lady couldn't have been any nicer, and Greta couldn't have been more thankful. She was feeling sick and had to work through that for about five miles. These are things we didn't find out until later, though. For now, we just saw their faces, and my daughter-in-law decided we should try to get in one more cheer spot before the finish. We all agreed and hopped back into our cars. This time, I lost my driving privileges. The previous CNO ended up driving, and his twin brother navigated that car. I followed in the car behind with my daughter-in-law driving and two of the littles. The middle son was up with the guys. We quickly found another great spot to cheer, mile 21. This time, no U-turns were needed. Imagine that. We parked. We ran to the edge of the road, and we cheered on Brain Guy, Santa, the women in matching shirts. Well, you know the drill. Then we saw Greta and Kenny, and they looked great. Big smiles. We high-fived. We teared up. They ran past, and as they ran past, we saw their matching shirts with dad and daughter printed on the backs, turning the corner toward the final stretch. We knew as they ran past, the next time we'd see them would be at the finish. And we did. We got to the finish and took our place along the fence. We checked our apps to see they were, where they were, and the app had crashed. We prayed they hadn't. We commented on how perfect the weather had been all day. We talked about what an inspiration it was seeing people finish such a monumental accomplishment. And then we saw them, a dad and a daughter, matching orange shirts and a blue hat and a black hat in the distance. We saw them running down toward us down the road, the cathedral in the backdrop, the Capitol building before them. The street was lined with bleachers and flags and cheers and tears. And I was screaming so loud I lost my voice. And I was crying and others were crying and they made their final step across together. They crossed the finish line. As our little group made our way around the crowd to meet up with Greta and Kenny, we ran into two of Greta's friends that had come to cheer her on as well. We all began walking together, and I began to review the day in my mind. Drove to my son's apartment, got a coffee, waited forever in that weird traffic line, went to the parking lot, went to four places to cheer, saw people in crazy costumes, read funny signs, comforted a crying two-year-old who wanted his papa and not me, and logged five miles on my Fitbit. I did this all during which time Kenny and Greta were running and running, and running, and so were thousands of others. Rachel finished her first marathon. So did Ben. So did Max. Scott finished another one of many. Greta finished her third. My husband finished his fifth. Mike finished his race that was as much about running as it was about life. A 79-year-old couple crossed the finish line holding hands, and another woman crossed in defiance to cancer. People run for many reasons. The whys are varied. The stories are fascinating. I wish I could ask them all why they do it. Why do they train and run and put themselves through such a grueling process? I can't ask them all, but I decided to ask one. Hey, Greta, why'd you do it? Why did you run the marathon this year? Well, my first marathon, um, the purpose was to prove I could do it. This was um, probably five or six years ago. I'd seen my brothers run several marathons, and as a freshly graduated former college volleyball athlete, I was ready for a new challenge. Dad and I had run a half marathon that January. Also, side note, that half marathon was so cold. It was below zero at the start, and it didn't really warm up. So then, after that motivational race, we decided to go for the full. 
the training was hard and it was long and I don't think I really did it well. We finished the race and while it was kind of fun, it was one that I said I didn't want to ever do again, ever. <laughs> Fast forward four years and I'm sitting in church. Sinead with Team World Vision is up front talking about running marathons to raise money for clean water projects in Africa. They showed a video of some super cute kids who were overjoyed because they didn't have to walk over three miles to get clean water anymore due to Team World Vision's efforts. That would allow them to go to school, avoid common illnesses and sicknesses, and to just overall have a hopeful future. That purpose was big enough that I found myself signing up for what I said I would never do again ever, <laughs> marathon number two. I remember leaning over to, and whispering to Alex, why do I feel like I want to do this? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> that was last year. And this year I signed up again without even questioning it. Dad also joined in on the Team World Vision group this year. And so our shared purpose helped us keep going as our feet were tired and we were thirsty or we wanted to stop. Those kids don't have the option to stop. Yeah. And Greta, did you have any idea how hard it was for me to cheer? Though? Yeah, I mean, I I've cheered a couple times. It's really tough. All right, all right, no, but enough about that. How did you feel, though, when you saw Kenny and me and then us with Danny and Anna and the Littles and your friends, Jesse and Nicole? What what was helpful for you like while you were running? Knowing that we had so many people there to cheer us on, but no knowledge of where they would be felt like an exciting surprise every time. <laughs> you know that you they are your people because while other people were cheering our names because we put on our jerseys, Kenny and Greta in a really clear font and Chewbacca actually cheered for Kenny a lot of times. <laughs> These people actually knew us and they were there just to show us support. So that was really helpful. That is so great. And I feel like that's what life is like because don't you think we're all all of the people sometimes. We all need purpose. We all need encouragement. And I believe that God gives us both. Our purpose, we were created to be in relationship with God and to worship Him with who we are and what we do. And and like you were just saying, Greta, running with purpose helped you keep focus on what mattered. That same is true with us. If our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him, if our purpose is to love Him and love others that He's created, we can endure this race. In the meantime, we might need people to cheer us on and come beside us. Kenny and Greta had sons and brothers and sister-in-law, grandkids, nephews, niece, wife, mom, friends, friends with signs, who at one point, didn't they have a whole soccer team yelling or something? Yes. What were they chanting? Greta. <laughs> so were you like, how do these people know me? Yeah, I was looking at the team and I could hear them chanting Greta. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. There is another Greta on the course with me. And then I see my two sweet friends in front with them cheering along. And I just lost it. It was so funny. That is so great. And this is the kind of encouragement we need. We need encouragement, and we also need to encourage. We need to cheer for those who are downtrodden. We need to cheer for those who are experiencing great success, who are enjoying the music in their earbuds. We need to remember we are all on this race of life, and whether or not you're close by the people you choose to cheer on, you're by somebody. Cheer. Offer encouragement. Be that person who goes above and beyond, because as we do, we reflect the very heart of God. As we have experienced freedom and forgiveness through Jesus and enjoy the fact that we're a new creation, we need to recognize that we've been made to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. We need to do good. World Vision is doing good work. The runners, Greta, Kenny, Ben, Rachel, Mike, Max, and Scott, Beth, Makai, they did good. Those who contributed to their races, they did good. Others who partnered in prayer and encouragement do good. But needs still exist, yeah? And the need might be next door. 
There's someone who needs a listening ear, an encouraging word, or babysitting, or food, or an invitation, or prayer, or whatever. Let's do it. Let's do good. Let's do the good that the Lord lays on each one of our hearts. And if you're in a spot where you're not feeling great, please, even if you have to walk up to a stranger and ask for help, do it. Don't suffer in silence. Let's all run with purpose, knowing God has a plan for each one of our lives. Let's cheer on those who are running with us, and let's ask for help when we need it.